0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Phil at the Movies. I'm your host, Phil Walsh, and you're listening to episode number 51 of this ongoing podcast series that is for the love of movies. So here we are, episode number 51. We have crossed the minor, minor milestone that is 50 episodes. So 50 episodes in the can, so to speak. Now, with episode 51, here today, forty nine more to go until we cross the uh, the triple digits. And God, what a what a fun ride it has been. As I've said from the start, this has been a passion project. It will continue to be a passion project for me. But the con- the connections, the 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 engagement with with you has just made it all the more worthwhile. And I mean it when I say. Whether or not we have met in person or virtually or or not at all, but but have bonded through this love of movies, I mean it when I say that I consider you a friend. Uh, I, I don't like to think of anybody really as listeners or, or fans. That, that's that's fleeting. That's impersonal. Uh, if you, you you listen to the show, you engage with the show. I consider you a friend, and I'm delighted to be on this cinematic journey with you. I'm going to keep doing it as long as uh, as possible, as long as my voice will let me. But again, want to just thank you for for being a part of it uh, as well. the The response, the engagement, has just made it all the more worthwhile and enjoyable. And I I treasure each and every one of you uh, who who takes the time to listen to this show each and every week. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you for being a friend of Phil at the movies. Okay, I'm very excited about today's show. This is a fun one. Well, I mean, all these episodes are fun, but today the movie is very near and dear to my heart, and uh, I'm just excited to, uh, to revisit it and to share with you uh some thoughts now uh now one year later. But uh before we uh before we fire up the Batmobile so to speak, wanna share with you just some additional updates as it relates to the show. Now as I said at the beginning of this year for uh this season, if you will, of Phil at the movies, want to try to do different different things, different ideas, formats, try to change it up, keep things fresh, new, exciting. Last week, had another fun discussion episode with Chris Evans. Again, special shout-out and thanks to him for being on the show and talking all things Scream 6. We had an absolute ball talking about Ghostface and the latest installment of the Scary Movie franchise, which continues to make a killing at the box office. Yay for horror. But um, uh, as it relates to this show, again, as I said, try to do things a little differently, try to uh, you know, keep things uh, fresh and exciting. And so want to introduce to you guys a new segment for this show. It really isn't actually a segment. So, as you know, this show drops every Friday, once a week, where I cover a particular film. Sometimes it's a current movie. Other times it's a movie that's perhaps a classic or a cult favorite or something near and dear to my heart, as, in, uh, as is the case with, with today's film, which is... I guess you could say uh, somewhat new, but uh, more more so uh, in the past tens. So, what I thought I would do is again to kind of keep uh, keep up momentum, if you will, every week. And the date is still uh, to be determined, though I'm I'm thinking Wednesday. Every Wednesday, I will drop a mini fill at the movie show. This won't be a full episode, but it will be a uh, a, a mini uh, episode, at, if you will, and I'm calling it "Let Me Fill You In." And so, the the point of this particular segment—it'll be probably like ten, five, ten minutes at the most. Want to use this opportunity to sort of comment a- and give a a brief review on current movies that I've seen, movies that I may not actually get to cover in detail on. on a full episode of the podcast, but... I feel uh might be worth uh your your time checking out. So look for those uh those new specials coming probably within the next week or so. You'll uh, you'll get the notification in your podcast feed, but uh look for that on Wednesdays. Let me fill you in another uh, exciting development for Fill at the Movies. Again, just trying to, you know, do different things and and keep uh keep things exciting and fresh here with with the main show. Okay. Now, on to the main event, which is today's review or retrospective, if you will, revisiting the classic film from last year. And yes, I will call it a classic because it has already entered the uh, the uh, the Zeitgeist, if you will, and a whole universe is already developing and building. Of course, I am talking about The Batman. <laughs> A year ago, this very month, March 4th, 2022, The Batman premiered, and the realm of the comic book genre, the comic book movie genre, has never been the same, in my humble opinion. Now, I, I know there is an argument to be made that we are seemingly inundated with superhero and comic book movies every other Friday, and... I also know that there is an argument to be made that there is an oversaturation uh, of these films that has diminished their quality and and in a way has caused the general public to become numb to the specialty that is the comic book movie. Now I'm going to share in the show notes an article that was in Slash Film recently that I think really makes an interesting point and and, an argument for what needs to be done with the genre going forward in order to sort of stop the potential for fatigue and 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 uh, oversaturation that certainly is uh becoming the prevailing uh, wisdom of the day, but back more 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 to this particular topic, I'm here today to talk with you about the Batman, and not only because I believe that it is an exceptional film, which it is, but also because it frankly did and does what the genre i feel is lacking right now what it was lacking a year ago but certainly today and that is originality now before 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 everyone comes at me with the virtual pitchforks and the virtual torches let me let me clarify if i may as someone who does appreciate this genre and, and as you may know i co-host another podcast plug for dc unlimited right now but 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 I do have to, to confess I do I do believe that um, maybe fatigue is not the right word, but but there is I think a sense of maybe indifference among the general the, the general public, and I think partly because we're so oversaturated with these films right now, and not just on on on, on the theatrical end through streaming. And other platforms. It seems like everywhere you turn, there's a comic book superhero movie, and that kind of diminishes what I believe makes these films special, because they ultimately are more than just flashy popcorn spectacles. I think they can tell wonderful stories of good and evil and offer insights into human psychology, the human condition, and frankly, it can be these great modern-day morality plays. Uh, They they are, in many ways, modern-day myths, but... Certainly you know there is an argument that we you know, may have too much of a good thing but that's that's not the point of today's podcast that's that's a discussion for for another day but as it relates to the Batman, the film came along at a time where the genre needed something different where it needed to to reinvigorate it maybe not reinvent it because I think the films that have that have preceded it, have certainly uh, reshuffled the board time and again. But there is really an argument to be made that the first Batman film, I'm talking, of course, about the Michael Keaton one from 1989, that invented the modern superhero genre that we are still with today. Now, I know some might say, well, it was really the first Superman film, but, but I would go a step further and say Batman changed the mindset. Batman brought... You know the sense of hype and anticipation for these films, and changed the way they're marketed, the way they're made. It turned them into these huge uh, toy and 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 promotional uh, machines. That is again an aspect that is with us to this very day. Batman, I think, really cemented the idea of a summer blockbuster. That in our you know arguably began with with Star Wars, and and Batman just sort of really fine tuned it, and then just put it into into overdrive so it, you know in many ways this sort of starts with Batman and it continues with Batman and so vis-a-vis the Batman from last year I think the film came along at a perfect time where the genre needed something if if, if 89 invented the genre and, and made it mainstream the Batman rejuvenated it and the reason I I, I feel that is this movie, this movie is 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 unlike anything that we have seen with this with these types of films ever. I mean, there's an argument some could say, well, it's you know, on par with The Dark Knight or or Christopher Nolan's trilogy as a whole, but I think it's so much bigger than that, and that doesn't diminish any of those films. It, it, it's the next logical step, especially with a character like Batman that is so ingrained in our in our cultural zeitgeist and part of of our of our movie going psyche that this would be the next step if christopher nolan sort of laid the foundation for a grounded realistic batman matt reeves has taken that concept and and just kicked it up tenfold and, and the result is spectacular At the time, I I think you could argue that the genre felt, in many ways you could probably say the same today, but it it felt a little top-heavy. And this movie comes through as a result of hard-working and and real just determined craftsmanship by by Matt Reeves, the writer and director, who sought to give us something we hadn't seen before. I'm, I'm always fascinated with what I have read and and watched in in terms of the making of this film, of how there was a real determined and and conceited effort to make this film, make this Batman experience unlike any that had been seen before on the big screen. Certainly acknowledging the great canvas of films that had preceded it, but to then chart its own course and, and making its mark in the only way possible. And... How do I say this? There was an argument to be made. Certainly there was an argument to be made when this film was being made. I know I heard it many, many times. But there was an argument certainly during the production of this film that was, why, in the name of God, do, do we need another Batman film? What is the point? And, and I, say, I say as a fan uh, of the character and frankly of the genre, th- those, were, those, were, those were valid questions. There was already sort of mixed reaction to the reinterpretation of the character through, through Ben Affleck. Uh, and, of course, you know, before that, you had Christian Bale and, and Christopher Nolan with their, with their you know, near-perfect take uh, on the character, which is arguably one of the greatest movie trilogies of all time and, and frankly, in the top echelon of, of comic book movies. But, I mean, that, that question kept coming back. I saw it and even I thought it to some extent. Did we need – another Batman film? And could another Batman film work, especially after what had preceded it vis-a-vis Christopher Nolan? Well, last March, that question was answered, and it was answered with an overwhelming and resounding and emphatic yes, a yes to all of the above, a yes to we can have another Batman film, and yes, there are more, more stories to tell with this character. More stories to tell with this character unlike any that have been seen on the big screen before. And with Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson as the Dark Knight, they delivered just that last year. Now I'm gonna throw a word out, and the word is masterpiece. And I and, and I, I dislike using it because it is overused in our lexicon. It has become a cliche of a cliche and and while I, I do believe the film falls into that category. I am gonna go a step for a step further, and I'm being I'm being entirely serious when I say this. This film, not only is it brilliantly shot, directed, top notch, performances across the board, Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle, Paul Dano as the Riddler, Robert Pattinson excelling as the Batman. This film is amazing. It's it's incredible. But uh, it it truly is. And I mean this. It is a work of art. (laughs) It it is a piece of cinema. Now, I know I sound like a fanboy, which I am. But I want to take you through my reasoning today of just why this film is so special. and, And why it resonated with me in ways I did not expect. And through subsequent rewatches, I mean, I have come away that this is truly, next to The Dark Knight, the greatest Batman film ever made, and frankly, one of the greatest comic book superhero films ever made, period. It it, it a. a... I won't use the word. It is cinema. It is pure and beautiful cinema. Because not only, as I said... Did this movie show that there are more Batman stories to tell? But we can tell a story that digs into the psychology of this character and develops a better understanding of who he is and what motivates Batman than we've ever seen before on the big screen. Now, I don't mean any disrespect to the works that have come before, specifically Nolan's trilogy, the Schumacher films, Tim Burton's films, Zack Snyder's uh, films with Batman v. Superman and, and Justice League, Ben Affleck turned in a fine performance, truly a fine performance as as Batman. And really, again, like how Bale differenti- differentiated himself from, from Kilmer and Clooney and, and Keaton, Affleck did the same thing. But again, I, I have to, to confess, again, I like to always tell it like it is on this show. I, I never... Was able to connect with with uh, with Affleck's Batman, and, and even in to some extent with Christian Bale's. I and mean, again, fine performances, um, but 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 certainly, I haven't felt certainly a, a strong reverence for for the character. Even though I, I I I I love it, and I love I love the whole world. But in terms of the on-screen portrayals, the the, the Batman who is always Connected with me was Michael Keaton, and, and and up until recently, he was my favorite portrayal of the character. Now I think you can probably guess where I'm going to this, going with this. Robert Pattinson exceeded every expectation I had for this character going in, and I can remember, and I know I've alluded to it on this show in the past that there was. All this, uh, oh, consternation and people, you know, screaming on the internet. Oh, God, you know, Robert Pattinson's Batman. This is going to be a Twilight version of Batman. I mean, the usual uh, critiques that happen whenever there's a, a casting announcement for. A uh, comic book movie, specifically Batman, it seems to always be uh, part of the uh, the territory with these films. Going back to Michael Keaton, I mean, there were articles in the Wall Street Journal saying, "Oh, uh, boo-hoo on Warner Brothers for casting Michael Keaton," and of course, look how that turned out. Again, same could be said with with Heath Ledger before uh, before people saw what he did with the Joker. So I, I never bought into that whole uh, hoopla, if you will, over. Uh, over Robert Pattinson, I knew he was a fine actor and enjoyed him in, in a number of his performances, uh, certainly post his uh, his Twilight roles. But but you know I I always knew he could he could deliver. I did not expect him to deliver what he did with this film, and it's because of what I saw in this movie. He has become my favorite portrayal of the Dark Knight because he's able to capture both the 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 angry and, and the 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 determined vigilante aspect of Batman while also showing us the very vulnerable and human side of the character, which strangely enough is not always there in these films. Sometimes it's sort of, Batman is just sort of presented as almost like a monolith, almost like a statue. And I think Pattinson is the first one, in, in many ways, I feel since Keaton, to kind of pull back the mask, if you will, and really show us the psychology uh, of this of this character. And so you know winding the clock back for myself, going into this film, I don't want to say I had low expectations because you know certainly Matt Reeves is a master filmmaker and Robert Pattinson I knew would, would deliver a great performance did not expect it to be you know, this, this great. but again, we had already had this, this perfect trilogy. Uh, from Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale and and you know part of me me felt that you know we we've, we've probably seen we've we we've seen perfection you know we, this will just be another batman movie it'll be fun it it'll it'll probably uh, you know push the envelope in in certain places but you know I tried to keep my expectations uh reserved and again that you know comes from just you know sometimes when you set expectations too high you can be disappointed and and certainly my love and and, and uh, appreciation for this character and for, for this world you know certainly you know try to get me to rein in my my thoughts uh, uh on it but um you know n- nevertheless not only did this film deliver for me but it exceeded any expectations i i, I might have had i mean it's it's one half a detective story a game of cat and mouse and on the other hand, it's it's really a, a redemptive tale. It, it's it's a superhero coming of age story, if you will. And I know that sounds uh, kind of like a strange uh, concept, but 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 bear with me. The story is peppered like many of the great crime and and film noir epics, think Chinatown, Bullet, The French Connection, while also having a splash of of Seven and and, and Zodiac. And in addition, there's there's really a story at the core of this film, which is much larger than than the premise of Batman versus the Riddler. Now that is there and it's an important part of this story, but the meat to the film is this character study, this this psychological examination of both Bruce Wayne and Batman. And and as I said, I think Pattinson is without question uh, my favorite Batman, and and I think he delivers the most complex portrayal of this character to date. I mean, before this film, I felt, again, speaking for myself here, but I I felt Batman and Bruce Wayne had always been treated more or less as alter egos uh, of one another. And and with varying exceptions, nothing was was sort of prowled behind the mask, so to speak. And as I said, I think Keaton came the closest uh, on film. There's a beautiful scene in in Batman Returns another one of my my all-time favorite Batman films where near the start of it he's sitting in the library a new study at Wayne Manor and lights are all off and he's just sitting there in the chair you know, uh chin resting on his on his fist and he is just sort of wallowing in his own his own loneliness his own his own pity I mean the guy is like just this shell of a human being and yet the minute the signal strikes the sky and it lights up the entire library it's like a light switch has been flicked on and he comes to life and you see it all in in Keaton's eyes in the portrayal it's like oh I'm needed time to uh, to go into full Batman mode and I, I think in addition to that you know Keaton was the only one up until Pattinson that was able to find that balance between Bruce and Batman being one of the same. I mean, Keaton's Batman, or Bruce Wayne, is very awkward in those films. He's not a playboy. He's not some uh, tycoon businessman. He's a guy who wants to be kept alone, wants to be by himself, and is much more comfortable in the Batcave. He is much more comfortable out on patrol as Batman and that to me is what I think makes the character of Batman so fascinating is that this is not just sort of you know do a quick change and, and go into action like Batman is who he is in his heart Batman is the real identity Batman is the real face and, and so with this particular film the Batman Pattinson has come in and he just takes it to a whole other level Bruce Wayne in the Batman exists in name only, and I think that's what makes it interesting. Bruce Wayne isn't 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 developed. He isn't he isn't real in a lot of ways. And there's been a, a knock on on the film that oh, Bruce Wayne was underdeveloped. We don't get to see Bruce Wayne. That's the point. That's the point. He doesn't care about Bruce Wayne. Now he may develop a a subsequent persona, if you will, in later films, that remains to be seen. But that's the point of this film. Bruce Wayne doesn't exist. He's there in name only. In the movie, Alfred is shown running the day-to-day finances of of the Wayne Foundation and Wayne Enterprise. Bruce is consumed with one thing and one thing only— Batman his mission of vengeance in Gotham City first time we see Bruce outside of the cowl more or less he's in the Batcave and Alfred, Alfred has to come down and remind him you know sir we've got to have a board meeting with the the folks from Wayne Enterprise and he's just so disengaged he's out of it again it reminded me of Michael Keaton in a way where there's just that that disconnect is Bruce Wayne where Alfred is really you know the one carrying uh, him, you know, through through the day and reminding him to to tie his shoelaces. That's there in, in just sort of f- in 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 full color with this particular film. And and there's another wonderful scene right at the beginning where Bruce emerges from the Batcave and. Because he is you know clearly spending so much time down there and and, and so consumed by by the darkness both uh <laughs> literally and, and philosophically so to speak, where he emerges and he's sitting there in the Wayne dining room and he has to put on sunglasses because the light from the outside and even just the interior lights of Wayne tower. Are just too much for him, and so it just again, just sort of those moments that I think really capture what something something special about Pattinson's portrayal, and and really shows us, uh, you know, again for me, I think it's it's something different, something uh, you know, unusual that that is usually uh, kind of passed aside with this character. I mean, we're not seeing the usual antics of a of a billionaire playboy or some aloof. Tycoon. I mean, what we are seeing on screen for the short time, and I think yeah, I've, I've timed it. It's it's barely five minutes, maybe five minutes and change. That that actually Bruce Wayne is on screen and is screen in this film outside of the cowl. What we are seeing, what we get through our our interactions with him in this film, is is a man broken, a man confused, and frankly, a man at war with himself. He he still is that boy, that little boy arrested, who lost his his parents at that early age, forever shaped and scarred by the tragedy that befell his parents, Thomas and Martha. And you see it. You see the little boy, the, the frightened expression, the, the, the confused stare, the, the uncertainty. I mean, even in a scene later on, when he has to go to the mayor's funeral and and alfred is like oh this is great you're you're going out and you know even though it's sort of a, a an upsetting occasion you know alfred is sort of happy oh bruce wayne is going to make an appearance and Bruce admits, "I'm only going to to scope out a potential crime scene, to to look for clues." Like he's living and breathing Batman in and out of the suit, and that to me was was fresh. It was exciting, and it was a different way to showcase this character than what we had seen before. We are watching a man consumed by vengeance. He, he declares himself vengeance, of course, in the film, but it's more than that. It's a it's a mission that he is hell-bent on. It's more than just, you know, sort of avenging his parents. He's trying to punish any criminal within radius of his fist. And, and and his Batman is almost like a monster from hell. I mean, truly a bat out of hell in a lot of ways. And and watching him sort of react and, and interact, it's how Batman is in the comics. Sort of one-word answers or not saying anything at all and cloaked, by shadows and and it's just it, it's so exciting and it's so different and I think that's what again I go back to it was something different. Reeves could have played it safe, you know. He could have just said, "Hey, I'll, I'll go with what works and trust the audience will be there." He went beyond that. You know, what? he put everything he could into this film. He made it the very best film he could make, he took chances, he took bold swings, and it paid off. Because you know what? There's there's passion behind it. There's heart behind it. And yes, there's an original take on this character that is storied, that is over 80 years old, but yet he feels fresh and reinvigorated for modern audiences. That's what drew me into this film. The The first time I saw it was that very... Pronouncement, if you will, where where Batman is 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 you know, beating up some 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 thugs on the subway. He, he declares himself vengeance. You know, very much you know, it's like a line ripped right from the from the comic books. That showed to me right there. He is Batman, and and, and Batman is he. They're, they're they're one in the same. You know, we're being taken on a journey in this film we're being plunged into the into the dark abyss if you will of batman's soul and as i said it's his story we're seeing his reactions in real time we're seeing the world through his point of view and that again that's another bold choice that reeves and company made with this film which was to put us the audience in the perspective of batman for the first time ever on screen again it's done in comic books it's been done in in other forms and animation and tv shows but never on the big screen like this this is this truly is a batman movie through and through and and, you know to, to further add to that this film really showcases the detective side of batman skills which are of course touted in the comics but have been seldom used on the big screen, on the big screen, again, you're going to tell a detective story, which is what this film is. You have to utilize Batman, who arguably is the greatest detective in, in, in fiction, and that in the movie does that. It showcases a Batman who is a detective, the world's greatest detective. And why is he? Why is he so great? Because he's able to see things that others don't. He's observant. He sulks He soaks up a crime scene. He looks for things that people might otherwise pass by the opening of the film after the the real horrific death of the mayor. I mean, it really feels right out of a horror movie and it kind of is a nice callback to some of Matt Reeves' earlier films. For those who may have seen uh, his film Let Me In, there's a similar scene with uh, one of the characters where he sneaks up behind someone in the back of a car and, I mean, it's, it's almost a, a recreation of that with the Riddler at the start of this film. You know, very, very... You know, very bold choices for what is a comic book movie. But that's what I'm saying. Again, Reeves was showing us things that, that we may have some familiarity with and then sort of subverting them or, or turning them on its head or maybe inverting them in a way. So we look at things in, in a very different, uh, in, in a different light. But um, as I said, you know, this really is a detective story and, and, you know, it has all the great work. As I mentioned earlier, I mentioned French Connection, I mentioned Chinatown. You know, it, it's classic film noir in a way. It just happens to have a character who's wearing a mask and a cape instead of a trench coat and a hat, and instead of carrying a revolver, carries carries a batarang. You know, I mean, it really is that take on on the mythology as opposed to just a straightforward. Here's our our superhero. Here's the villain of the week. Here's the obstacle. See you for the sequel. There's none of that with 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 this film. This is a character study, and in, in many ways, it's a slow burn. You know, it it gives you the action, it gives you the suspense, but it has a lot of ensemble moments. I mean, Jeffrey Wright, who plays Lieutenant James Gordon, you know, eventually on his road to to Commissioner Gordon. He and Pattinson have a great dynamic as Batman and Commissioner Gordon. I, I think it's already, I think it's the best we've seen of these characters on screen because it's so very reminiscent of, of what you see in the comics. You know, very much this idea of these two partners working together in a sea of corruption and and evil, ultimately trying to to get through the day, to get through the night, and solve whatever it is uh, that they're working and. I like how Reeves, again, chose not to retell Batman's origin. We know it. I mean, it, you know, it's almost, again, a cliche at this point. If you're going to see a Batman film, you're going to see some dramatic retelling of the Wayne's tragic night. And there's none of that in this film. There's some exposition, but we never actually see it. Reeves feels the audience is invested enough and knows enough about this character to bypass a straight origin. We also don't get a inner workings of how Batman gets his, his gear and his tools. We don't need to know that. Reeves is, is telling us a story of a Batman who is already here. He's been in Gotham for two years, and he is trying to make things right Two at the beginning of the film, very little success. And that is, again, another thing about this film that really just, it just connected with me. We're getting a, a Batman and a Bruce Wayne who's narrating at the beginning and end of this film. And it's partly done through these journal entries that he has sort of documenting his nightly rounds out on the streets of Gotham City. Fascinating way to pull us in to the character and get an idea of, of where his psyche is, where he is at this particular point of the film. And, and when we're introduced to him, he's been at it for two years, and he's lamenting that Gotham City... Has has not changed. He, you know, things are worse. Crime rates are spiking, and he feels a sense of failure. And yet, he still is continuing. He even says, "You know, I have to try. I have to go on." And it's this it's this mission that he's going on, and then, frankly, pulling us, the audience, along with him. That sort of you know makes us invested in this this journey of growth that ultimately the character is going to go on. Because ultimately, this film. Ha- presents this this great challenge that Batman has to confront. And it's not a physical challenge. This is not a, a situation where Batman has to defuse a bomb or, or Batman has to, to defeat the Joker before he escapes. This is a psychological battle for one's very soul. It's who he is. It's what he has become. And frankly, the film, I think, really beautifully suggests that in order for this city, Gotham City, which I mean has always been a character in these films, but in this one it, it really feels like it like it is a living, breathing organism that is sort of festering corruption and and despair and and is this this rotted wound and you know sort of Batman becomes the antidote if you will, but it's only. After Batman realizes that, for in order for Gotham to be saved, in order for the city to to begin healing, he too must be saved, and he too must heal, and and that's where the character arc comes in. That's where we get this great this great growth of, of where he starts, at the beginning of the film, to ultimately where he is at, at, at the at the climax. And I, I think it's the best character arc for Batman. On film, and frankly, in in maybe in any form, uh, media form of, of, that the character has been in, and I'm even talking comic books at, at this point. It was a perfect distillation of what makes the character work, why he is who he is, and ultimately how he becomes the quote unquote Dark Knight that we all know and, and revere him for. Why he has lasted for 80 years. It's all right there, and and Reeves. And Pattinson deconstruct it in a way, only then to to build it up and, and sort of present it uh, as new for a whole brand uh, brand new segment, if you will, uh, of audiences who may just be discovering this character uh, for, for the first time. And, and on that point, when we first meet him, Batman is just this obsessed vigilante. He's just beating criminals to a pulp, and 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 looking past those. He is uh, trying to help without so much as a "how do you do," uh, uh, but by the end of the film, and this is where again I go back to this this journey that he's going on, this this self discovery, if you will. He becomes this this symbol for Gotham, a beacon in the dark, working shoulder to shoulder with first responders, helping the weak, the forgotten, and ultimately the innocents. It's it's that realization he has that he must become more. In order to save the city, he loves more than just a creature of the night—a true knight in shining armor, if you will—or in—or in—or in black-clad armor, if you will. And, and there's this wonderful scene at the end. I mean, it's—it's it's probably my favorite scene uh, of Batman on film. It's—it's it's so operatic. After sort of Gotham has gone through this. Uh, uh, baptism, if you will, where the city has been partially flooded and and in a way the Riddler's plan works, but it's only through that uh, you know, sort of achievement by the Riddler that that Batman is able to rediscover himself, save himself uh, psychologically if you will, and and save his soul that he can then sort of lead people to safety, lead them to to a, a new horizon and at the end he's He's right there. I mean, Batman is is you know sort of trudging through the water, holding up this flare, guiding people out of the depths of danger and despair, and and ultimately you know literally and physically to 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 to, to higher ground. And there's this wonderful moment where he's literally helping the first responders and the National Guard, carrying uh, survivors and and uh, injured uh, citizens out of this uh, convention arena. I'm getting them to safety, and there's this one exchange. He's carrying this woman. She's been, you know, she's battered up, and she's and she's injured. And he's carrying her over to the gurney uh, attached to the uh, the cable on the helicopter, and he loads her into the gurney. And then, yet, she reaches out and 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 holds on to him. It's almost as if to say, "Oh, don't let me go. Don't you know? Don't leave me." And it's this wonderful exchange where Batman has been accepted by the public they see him as not a creature of the night not this monster but as someone who is out there fighting for them someone who is out there saving them someone who is there to protect them and again there's no dialogue but the music Michael Giacchino score is <laughs> operatic at this point and and again Batman just sort of gives her this you know this subtle nod and, and he cups her arm and cups her hand and and waits and, and watches as she's lifted off and you just get this sense that that's that's what he's meant to be that's who the character ultimately becomes and it's this it's a transformative experience where you see him go from this angry broken revenge crazed man to ultimately someone that is out there helping his fellow man ultimately realizing his purpose is bigger than self it has to be for the greater good and it's just It's perfect. It's a perfect illustration of why this character has worked for over 80 years. It's why I love this character and it's why there is a need for these films because they can tell these great stories of both survival and and examination uh, of the human condition in, in a way that can be more interesting than just sort of, you know, people running around talking. I mean, you can get to much more complex themes, sort of morality play ideas, and sort of illustrate your point better when, you're, when your lead protagonist, if you will, is a guy dressed up like a bat. I mean, it's sort of funny the way I say that, but but I think you understand where I'm coming from with it. Uh, I mean, just... I, I could go on about the entire third act, and I, I it's so... It's so perfect. It's a perfect third act for a movie uh, for a comic book movie but that ultimately sort of underscores the point of the character's journey in the film. Again, I go back to it's the best character arc that you watch him grow and learn and discover not only about this city but about himself over the course of the film. That's why I really call it a, a coming of age superhero film where you know, in, in many of of the of the previous Batman films, and frankly even superhero films, the character's arc is almost irrelevant because it's sort of well, you get your origin movie, that's their journey from point A to point B, and then the other films sort of become superhero versus villain of the week, and that is not the case in this film. As I said, the Riddler is almost is almost secondary to 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 the story. It's really about Batman and his own discovery, his own re-examination of his of his choices and of his mission and his determination to improve himself and ultimately become more than just this revenge crazed vigilante of the night, but ultimately this symbol of hope for Gotham City. Beautiful, beautiful story that really does have a beginning, a middle, And an end. And even though the end is really the beginning, this film is self contained. And I want you to underline that word right now self contained. That, my friends, that is the real strength of this film. Outside of the characters, outside of the gorgeous cinematography by Greg Frazier, what differentiates this movie, this film, from the multitude? Of comic book movies that preceded it, and frankly, have succeeded it in the years since. This film is a self-contained story. Again, underline that word: self-contained. Self-contained story. That while it suggests of a larger world, and there is, and there are little little. Uh, I'm not even going to call them teasers, but there's little breadcrumbs, if you will, to, to world building. And future stories. The film itself, the story at hand, does not hinge on the fact that you must stay tuned for the next adventure. Okay, there is no sequel tease at the end of the film. As with so many comic book movies these days, there's no mid-credit scene. There's no post-credit scene. There's no during the credit scene. There's none of that. There's none of that. I'm not I'm not you know knocking it, but. That's when I go back to the originality of this film. It tries to say something that hasn't been said. It tries to be different than what has come before it. It isn't giving you a treasure map uh, for, for how to follow this movie and how to follow the world ahead. This is a solo Standalone film that gives, as I said, a beautiful coming of age story, a rise of Batman story that has a beginning, middle, and an end. And even though, as I said, the end is truly the beginning, the film is not leaving you waiting for, oh boy, we have to wait three years to find out what's happened. It leaves you fulfilled. It stays with you, but it gives you that sense of completion, which I think, frankly, is missing from a lot of movies of this particular genre today. And I and I said it a year ago, and I will say it again. Even though there are there is a sequel on the way, the world is clearly developing and and, and there's a spin-off show with uh, the penguin who is played masterfully in the film by by Colin Farrell. I mean just as a sidebar, it's a probably one of the most immersive and transformative performances I've ever seen by an actor in any film. I mean, you don't see Colin Farrell when you watch this movie. But but putting all that aside, a year ago, before I knew there was going to be a spinoff, before I knew there would be a sequel, even though, of course, this is a franchise. I mean, at this point, we're on, you know, number 13, I think, for Batman films, even though I knew what preceded it and what would likely be succeeding it, I felt emotionally satisfied with what we got on this film and that's not to say I didn't want an immediate sequel I mean selfishly because I love these movies because I love this character I wanted more the day after you know what I mean like I mean I'm waiting for 2025 you know yesterday like I, I can't wait to see where this world is ultimately gonna is ultimately gonna go but I felt last year that, that it was a perfect story it's a standalone story that, that again it may ultimately tie into uh, a larger world that's to be determined and frankly for the purposes of our of our discussion and for the purposes of this film it's it's irrelevant because Matt Reeves set out to give us a Batman story to give us everything you could possibly want in this film you have all of your all your familiar, your familiar tropes. You have your your chase. You have the your fights. You have all the trappings of a, of, a, of a Batman film. You got your Bat Signal, Bat Cave, Alfred, Commissioner Gordon, Catwoman, even the Joker. I mean, like it, it's got everything you might want in a Batman movie, and yet it doesn't overstuff it. It doesn't say, "Well, wink, wink, tune in for the sequel." I go back to what I said. It's a film that has a beginning, middle, and an end, and that is something that is a rarity these days. I cite Joker as another example, even though there is a sequel on the way. There is a beginning, middle, and end to that film. And I think that's why the Batman stands out. That's why Joker stands out. But in the case of this film, that's why the Batman stands out in a sea of comic book movies. It stands out as as a beacon, as a buoy, as something different, something that is fresh, something that is that is able to rejuvenate this genre. And, and I would argue, and I feel it, more films like The Batman, please, more films that take this sort of psychological approach, character study to the main superhero, deconstruct them in a way, but then uh, build them back up, and that ultimately tell a story that does not have to hinge on what we will see resolved in five years, but instead is resolved right there within the narrative of the one film. Now, as I said, a sequel is on the way, and already expectations, I think, will be even higher for this film because this one was so perfect. But I think, in part, the reason why the sequel can be worth it, why a spinoff show can be worth it, is because... Nothing was was left behind with this film. There is a strong bedrock, if you will, a great stepping stone into a larger universe that can ultimately uh, ultimately be developed. Now, we'll, we'll have another time for uh, for those thoughts. And I'm sure we'll uh, uh, Chris and, and Anthony and I will we'll get into that on on our, our on our separate show but um back back to this film because that's that's the real point I didn't want to get off on necessarily too much of a tangent but uh <laughs> i i uh, I digress <laughs> if you will um, back to this film get self contained story that's what I think makes it the most the most unique but but what else what else makes this film so 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 fresh as I said there's there's not an over reliance, if you will, on the CGI. A lot of this film has practical, real effects. And the cinematography by Greg Frazier, I mean, as an aside, the fact that this film was not even nominated for an Academy Award for Best Cinematography is is a crime uh, when it comes to the Oscars. Because this is one of the most beautiful comic book superhero movies ever made. It it is still stunning the images are flawless again i cite that scene at the end with batman with the flare the lighting the, the red and the reflection in the water i mean it's there i'll use that word again it's cinema it's art so you have that you have you have the beautiful canvas on which the film is painted there are your comic book tropes but there's none over overindulgence again Matt Reeves doesn't doesn't overstuff this film there are your fights. You have your great scenes with with the villains. I mean, Paul Dano. I mean, I want to see more of his Riddler. It's utterly, utterly fantastic. But but again, everything is sort of it's it's balanced. You, know, you have your 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 exploits with the Batmobile. I mean, there's scene with Batman chasing the Penguin that reminds me of of the of the chase scene in the in the French Connection. You have stuff like that. But then you also have it balanced out with character moments, Bruce Wayne sort of rediscovering uh, or discovering the tru- you know, some hidden truths about his parents and his family. You have scenes with Batman and Gordon just sort of hashing out the case. I mean, again, those small moments that make the whole film work. So it's not just this over-reliance on CGI and spectacle and explosions. As I say it, I've said it before, there's a story. And the story is what really drives you. You've got not only this psychological character study on Batman, but you also have this murder mystery at the core of it, which is sort of exposing the corruption of Gotham city. It's this multi-layered piece like many of the great, uh, great uh, detective stories that ultimately tie back to the, the main protagonist. All of that is there as well. And I mentioned it at the start of this, the film feels even more grounded than even what Christopher Nolan did and I never thought that could be topped but I mean this film it is gritty it's raw and it's street level it really feels when you watch it that you were right there with Batman on the streets of Gotham you can almost feel the water splashing in uh, on your shoes and again I think part of that goes back to the the design of putting us in the point of view of Batman of being with us being with him on that on that journey and even though you've got such a a unique uh, take and you've got all these different uh, ideas floating around, the film to me, I think I'm speaking just for myself, but I think the film to me feels the most quote-unquote Batman that I've ever seen on on screen. And I think that in part comes from Reeves really understands what makes this character, what what makes him tick, why he has lasted for, for 80 years. But more to that point, I go back to putting us in the point of view of the character, I think allowed the audience to in a way identify with Batman uh, more so than we have in, in the other films because we're there, you know when he stumbles, you know we're stumbling with him. When he's surprised, we're surprised. when he's un- when he's cracking the code, we're cracking the code. So you can really see what makes, the character tick and see how he sees the world uh, for the first time on on film. That was a good choice. That was a bold choice, but it worked because I think it allowed for new insight into the character. And yes, I'll say something controversial perhaps, but it put Batman right at the center of his own film, perhaps for the first time ever. I mean, that's not to diminish what has come before, but but this movie feels Batman-centric throughout it because really he is at the core of every single scene and frame in this movie with like one or two exceptions. This is a Batman movie about Batman telling a Batman story. And, and again, it goes back to what I said. It's that coming of age. We're watching the character go from one point in his life to the next. It's why I love this film. And I said it before. I will say it again. It's a piece of art. It's it's a piece of cinema, and I I can't wait for this universe to unfold. Now, what else? <laughs> I've gone on for perhaps a little bit longer here. I mean, I I saw a a, a tweet on uh, on Twitter the other day where someone was like, you know, what could you talk about for thirty minutes uh, with no notes? And you know, people were putting up different responses. And as a joke, I put up. I put up uh, the Batman and of course you know here we are about you know 56 minutes into this podcast and I'm still going on about Batman so I think I've definitely met the quota but I just want to go touch on a few more things about this film I mean I could do a whole entire you know five hour cinema, seminar on why this film works what else what else well let's see I have sort of touched on the Batman Gordon relationship the, the cinematography how about the score The score is also another part of it. I mean, music can, in many ways, enhance a story. I mean, if you've got a great film, music is only going to enhance it. And and music does that without question in in, in the Batman. Michael Giacchino's score is memorable, it's iconic, it's operatic, and it really guides the story in a way versus the story guiding the music, which... You know, again, that can sometimes be um, a you know a matter of uh, of taste or opinion. But I I I thought the score. You know, it was thrilling when it needed to be. It was low when it needed to be. And it just was a it, it's it's memorable. I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's it's memorable. And developing a Batman theme is, is no easy. Uh, easy business. I mean, certainly Danny Elfman's from from Batman and Batman Re- Batman Returns is legendary, but uh, Jaquino's is 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 right up there in my humble opinion with Elfman's. It is just iconic, and again, it feels Batman. Everything about this movie feels Batman, and that kind of ties into into Gotham City. Gotham City is a character in this film, and sometimes, like in the Nolan films, they would use. Parts of New York or parts of Chicago, and kind of create a uh, an interesting uh, you know, mosaic, if you will, uh, of Gotham City. This film, there was some uh, uh, real location shot. There was some soundstage work, some um, you know some visual tricks. But Gotham City feels bigger uh, than we've seen before on on screen. But it also feels like no place. You can pinpoint. You can't say, "Oh well, it's Chicago or it's Los Angeles." It, it doesn't. It, it feels and looks like a real city. It, it's it's dirty. It's grimy. It, just the way the the water splashes and the puddles. Like it. Just everything about it feels comic booky, if you will. I know that's not a word, but it, it feels like we are seeing something on the page of of any Batman. Uh, graphic novel or comic where we're, you've got your shadows you've got your gothic structure i mean wayne tower in this film is a perfect place for batman because i mean he feels like almost a prince uh locked up in the in, in his uh in his home sort of looking down on the city and 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 trying to make sense of it i mean Car- gotham is usually a a character in the in these films sometimes more just as a, as a look as a design in this film it's not only a look and a design, but it also plays an integral part of of the story. And ultimately, sort of the the partial destruction of Gotham contributes to this uh, this sort of rebirth, if you will, or rejuvenation of the city later on in the film. The Riddler. I mean, I only briefly touched on on Paul Dano as as the Riddler, but I mean, you know, if if uh, if I was to make a Mount Rushmore of of Batman movie villains. strong, strong case to say that uh, Paul Paul Dano should be on there with the Riddler because he, again, reinvents the character for the first time since 1995. Uh, That was the last time the Riddler was on the big screen. And he takes him in a way that is so different than what we have seen before and yet also honors the character. So, you know, even though he's got almost a uh, kind of you know a, a twisted 7 or or zodiac uh vibe to him there are elements that that he peppers in that make you make you think especially if you're uh, fans of the character that yeah this is the riddler he 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 understands the psychology of it i mean just his mannerisms his his quirky smile his his manic intensity both when he's angry and sad and defeated it, it's it's perfect and and i I hope that that we see more of this character because the Riddler is a fascinating villain and and it was a perfect character to bring into this world of of, of Gotham City to to ultimately showcase Batman's journey, especially since there is a lot of... Uh, interesting parallels that that Reed uh, chose to, to create between Batman and the Riddler with them both being orphans and both kind of, you know, having this fueled need for, for vengeance and, and uh, recognition in a way, though, of course, you know, the Riddler taking it to the extreme and kind of, you know, mirroring it with Batman about what can happen when you go too far in, in, in in, in the pursuit of vengeance, and I mean, on that that point, you then have, of course, Zoe Gravitz as Selina Kyle, not yet Catwoman, but certainly in her beginning stages of of the character, and another perfect choice to to have in this film to really showcase as part of Batman's journey of, of self discovery that that criminals aren't always black and white, that there is a gray area, and Selina represents that, and and, and Zoe really showcase that that uh that humanity to catwoman and really underscore that this is this is neither a hero nor a villain but but sort of someone in between who you know may be in it for herself but at the same time also there's that 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 pull and 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 draw towards batman which has been such a fun dynamic that is uh explored throughout the comics and and even you know the you know movies before so this was that was another fun uh touch uh that i was i was glad to see and I mean, what else? What else? I mean, the the film is the, the film is fantastic. I mean, what 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 else can I can I honestly say? And and you know, I'm I'm honest. I uh, you know, I'm unfiltered, if you will, uh, on this show. And I always try to tell you guys what I think. But I, I I don't have a criticism of this film. I know it you know makes me sound like a fanboy, which <laughs> which I am. But but I adore I adore this film. It, it's it's five stars for me, across the board. I mean, story, performance, direction, writing. I don't have an issue with this film. I mean, it's next to the Dark Knight for me. Beautifully told story, beautifully executed film. Just a magnificent piece of cinema. I mean, someone asked me the other day, "Oh, Phil, come on, you got to have, you got to have something." what, what, what bothers you about this film? And I, and I was honest. I said, I, I said honestly, nothing. Like it is a it's a perfect film. It, it's it's the Batman film I didn't know I, I I needed. It's a Batman film I never thought would uh, would exist, and yet here it is. And, and I, I just adore it. I, I think it is perfection. And, and but you know, again, always try to you know hear uh, hear the other sides because you know I'm uh, you know like to be open minded and whatnot. Um, You know, if I had to have a, you know, a quote unquote critique and this this is not for this is not for me and this is really stretching it here. But for me personally, there were two things. Number one, the Joker is is in this film and and it's it's a very minor, minor, minor uh, I don't even want to call it a cameo. He just sort of you blink and the Joker's there, um, played by Barry Keoghan. Um, he's there at the end and he sort of serves as a, as a purpose for ending the Riddler's arc and um, whatnot. There was a scene in the film that was taken out where Batman does have an interaction with the Joker, and it's like a five-minute scene. Now the look is controversial, and and. You know, not everyone is in love with it. I don't personally have an issue with with how the character looks. I mean, I expect there will be a redesign or some uh, tweaking around the edges if, if the character does make a a, a return, which I do expect uh, because you can't tell the story of Batman without the Joker in some form or another. Um, but uh, there is this scene where it's it's very, uh, very, very uh, heavy Hannibal Lecter. Uh, clary starling vibes where in this deleted sequence batman goes to the the joker and and tries to get a a psychological profile on the riddler and even though uh you know i understand why it was taken out sort of for for story pacing purposes i would have left it in because i think it's just such a you know one i'm always going to want more joker and that's just uh, a, a thing with me when it comes to uh batman how my, you know, the joker is my favorite villain so any chance we get to the joker I'm all for it but it it's just a really cool scene that sort of shows us something different that we haven't seen before vis-a-vis the batman joker relationship and again it's very psychological it feels very much like silence of the lamb and i i would have I would have kept that in so i mean that, that that's you know that's really stretching, you know, if I'm looking for a uh, a knit a, a, a to pick, so to speak. Um, the only other thing, and again, this, you know, is more kind of, I think, for, for general audiences. Because I have heard this um, complaint, if you will. The film is nearly three hours. Now, for me, I think it's a breeze. I mean, literally, I you know, there were some movies where... You put them in, and it's it's a slog. It really takes a long time to get through it. I'm thinking of Avatar for, an, for as an example. That was that was a little tough to get through uh, for me personally. But putting all that aside, uh, one uh, uh, complaint that I have heard, uh, critique, if you will, is that the film is is long. It's a very long movie, and and, and certainly you know it's not a a boom 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 action action. Fight, fight every five minutes. It's it's very much of a character study. It's very much a slow burn detective story. Again, you have your tropes in there, but it's it is much more uh, of a of a character piece than you know has been seen before. So, what I would probably say, and again, this is just you know you know when I'm really reaching here for a sequel, probably getting it to around two and a half hours uh, would be ideal. And I say that you know for you know, for the general audience, which, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to have it both ways because you can't just be, uh, just be reliant on, on comic book fans. You have to have to appeal to, uh, to, to everybody as well, to folks in the middle. And that's the way these movies ultimately last. So, but I mean, that's, again, that's a real reach and, and doesn't in any way, shape or form, uh, you know, make me feel any, any different or, or less about this film. I, I will defend it uh tirelessly and 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 passionately as I have now done for over an hour on this uh on this particular episode but uh well maybe maybe not quite a full hour I think the first 5 minutes or so of this show was uh, uh was uh, uh housekeeping and and my uh my thank yous to everybody but uh certainly at this point I don't want to uh I don't want to uh wear out uh my uh, uh wear out your uh your listening patience uh more than i might have to i've certainly uh perhaps overindulged myself on this particular episode but uh i, I think it goes without saying that uh this film uh, means a great deal to me i mean i'm looking right across from me on the wall a poster uh from, from the movie so uh you know my uh my batman credentials are certainly there but uh this has been fun. I, I wanted to revisit this movie, given that we are now uh, we've now had it for a year. Uh, you know, year one with the Batman, and I just think it's spectacular. I can't wait to see where this movie goes, where it unfolds. I, I'm sure I will be revisiting it in some form or another on this podcast in the future, especially with the Penguin Show. On the way and, and the uh, the part two sequel coming in two thousand and twenty five and in addition i 'm sure uh, my friends and I on on DC Unlimited will be discussing this film uh, at even greater length on an episode of our show. So I will uh, I will uh, leave you in suspense. Uh, same bat times, uh, you know, not same bat channel, but uh, same bat time, if you will, for a uh, a future uh, Batman related discussion. But in any event, want to thank you all for uh, taking a little trip down memory lane with me today and and revisiting the batman truly one of the greatest comic book superhero movies ever made and and frankly one of the one of the best films ever made and again you know, i i mean that uh, with all of my heart as i you know say on this show i always tell you what i what i feel what i think and when it comes to this movie it is truly a piece of cinema it is a piece of art and I've been been—I've really enjoyed this, uh, this particular episode, revisiting it, and I hope it was enjoyable for you as well. So that is all for today. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Go uh, check out some movies, a lot of great films playing right now, a lot of great films on the horizon uh, in the coming weeks. Can't wait to dive in and tackle some of those uh, movies with you in the weeks ahead. But uh, until next week, I'll be back, and we'll do this all over again for the love of movies.